So we've been in a series the last six weeks, and we've titled it In the End. And how befitting that at the conclusion of this series, In the End, today is also, really, it's the first day on the Christian liturgical calendar that is marked as the beginning of what we know as the Advent season. For those who were raised in, in probably a little bit more, let's just call them conservative uh, churches. And I, I mean that because I'm pretty, I'm not liberal in my, my um, uh, I guess my politics. I'm, I'm very liberal in my worship. I, I won't hold anything back. I'll give God everything. Okay? I, I've got no problem with that. Um, but, but many were raised in churches that were liturgical and there's nothing wrong with that and, and so you understood the advent season and those of us who raised more pentecostal we just it's christmas time <laughs> hallelujah okay uh, but in this season i i want to help you understand what the word advent actually means it comes from that latin word adventus which simply means the the arrival or the coming and so what the christmas season is it's that time where we as christians we intentionally celebrate that first advent we call it Christmas, the first advent when Jesus arrived. And do I have any people who are intentional in their praise and worship? Like it, I, I realize I'm, I'm grateful that he showed up the first time. And, and what we've been attempting to do the last six weeks is prepare you for his second advent when he shows up a, a second time. And so let me just interrupt my introduction for just a moment and make this announcement. The advent season is a reminder that God is just not the God who came for us 2,000 years ago. The advent season is a reminder that God is still the God who comes for us even on December 3rd, 2023. And, and I think many of you can realize this because you've learned that I can never fully appreciate God's arrival until I've gone through some seasons where I felt like God has been absent. Can I get an amen? The, uh, uh, I know some of you you, you, you always walk with God. And I know you always talk with God. And I know you and God are, are buddies. And there's never a moment where you don't feel close to God. But there are some of us in here, we've gone through some seasons in our life where we felt like Jesus stretched out on a cross. And we're just like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can, can I say it like this? Have you ever gone through any of those seasons where cognitively you knew God is always there? But, 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 eh, but in your experience and, and verbally, you say things like, hello, God, where are you? What is going on here? God, I know you see what's happening to me. God, I know you see how they're treating me. God, I know you know that I didn't deserve this. Is there anybody in here that could just take a moment and admit there are some times when you wonder out loud, God, where are you at? Where are you at? God, where are you? And can I just tell you the good news today is this. It's Advent season. Advent season means it's your answer season. This idea of him coming because he, God is just not the God called Elohim. Elohim is Hebrew for God. God is the God we call Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus said this one time. He said before Abraham was, I am. That means he's the God who is actively present in every situation. He is not the God who just came. He is the God who still comes. He is not the God who showed up. He's the God who still shows up. And I came to remind somebody here today, God can't help but show up. It's just his nature to show up. Think about it like this. Moses was staring at a red sea in front of him and, and Pharaoh's army behind him. But God showed up. 
Joshua was looking at the insurmountable walls of Jericho, wondering how are these things ever going to come down. But God showed up. A boy named Shadrach, another named Meshach, and one more named Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace. But Nebuchadnezzar looked and said, I see four of them in there. Weren't there three? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. That's because God will always show up. Drop Daniel in the lion's den, but God will show up. Throw the disciples in the middle of a hurricane, and Jesus will show up. You can even crucify our Savior, beat him, hang him on a cross, bury him in a tomb, but I've got news for you. God will always show up. Here's my point. If he showed up for Daniel, if he showed up for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if he showed up for Moses, and he showed up for Joshua, I came to tell you today, he's going to show up in your life as well. Somebody put your hands together and let this generation know I'm living proof. My life is a testimony. See, sometimes God will deliver you out of, and sometimes he'll jump right in the middle of it with you. But either way, he's the God who always shows up. And this whole idea of Advent, what we call the incarnation, literally deity becoming humanity, the incarnation of Christ is a revelation that God will always show up, always arrive. He will always be there. When I think of this Advent season, I know that most Americans know the Christmas story or some version of it. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody here in the States, at least, that doesn't know anything about Christmas. But let's say that God gave you an opportunity to meet some, someone from the Middle East or some portion of Asia that had no idea what the Christmas story was about. And they asked you, tell me about, what, what's this Christmas thing all about? What would you tell them about the first Advent? Yeah, well, okay, there you go. Because, because I, I, I imagine some of us, we, we, what we do is we probably take them to like a nativity scene. Right? And I love this picture. This is my budget nativity scene. Sorry, y'all. I just go and give me that, that image there. I got a little budget nativity scene just because uh, sometimes you just can't afford it. Yeah. My budget nativity scene. But I take them here and I, and I, I talk to them about, about, about the, the, this, this, this unwed but now very pregnant teenager okay, who's, who got impregnated okay, by the Spirit of God, not, not, not in the, the physical, sexual sense, but in the spiritual one. Okay. The seed was placed within her, if you will. I, 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 would, I would tell them about the, what we call the, uh, the Annunciation, where Gabe shows up and he's like, Hey, Mary, God, God's found some favor on your life, girl. You're going to be pregnant. Well, well, the baby in you is going to be called the son of God. Whoa. I tell them about that. I, I, I tell them about the, the shepherds who were out in the field at night, which means it probably wasn't December 25th, just in case I'm bursting your bubble right now. Yeah. But out in the field at night watching their sheep when all of a sudden the heavens opened up and an angelic host arrived and began to declare glory to God in the highest. I would, I would tell them about the, the promise and, and, the, and, if you will, the patience of a man named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And maybe I'll talk about this next week. I don't know if I have time or not. But, but th this idea of this is a season where we have to learn patience. Because if God promised something, it doesn't matter how long it takes, God will always fulfill his promise.
And so Zechariah and Elizabeth, probably in their 60s, end up getting pregnant and giving birth to the forerunner of Jesus, known as John the Baptist. But I, I wonder, would any of us take them to the, the old Charlie Brown special? And show them, amen, thank you, thank you for those who still know what I'm talking about. And show them the, the, the true meaning of Christmas. Well, I think it's Linus that reads from Luke chapter 2. And, and there are all these different things that we would express about the first advent. But I'm wondering, would anybody introduce the, to them the Christmas story that is found in the last book of the Bible? I was just talking with Brother Chuck about this the other night. In the very last book of the Bible, maybe you don't know this. It's probably the coolest telling of, this, of the Christmas story. It's found in Revelation chapter 12. Maybe you, maybe you would tell them this story. Read it with me, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, verse 1 says, A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and she cried out because her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then, John says, I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his heads. And his tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them down to the earth. This is symbolism of, of Lucifer convincing a third of, of the angels to, to join him in his rebellion against God. And he stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God and to his throne. I know what you're thinking. Can we go back to the shepherds and silent night, pastor? What I'm trying to get you to see is very clearly there was a lot more happening that very first Christmas than just drinking eggnog, kissing under the mistletoe, and peace on earth. I heard someone say it like this one time, hark the herald angels sing, a dragon waits to eat the king. I'm going to date myself here, but back in the day, we used to send Christmas cards. Anybody remember those days? Some of you probably still do it. Anybody, anybody still do that, still send Christmas cards? Okay, it's all of us over 40. Amen, all right, yeah. That's how it goes. Digital. There we go. Selfies, just text it to them, right? So, Pastor Olga's not in the room right now, and I'm so thankful for this. But when we first got married, every stinking year, we had to take Christmas pictures. Now, if you know, if you know me, you know, there, if there's one thing I hate, it's taking pictures. I, just look at any picture of me. I'm typically not looking at the camera. Okay? I'm trying to make it memorable for you who are looking, but... but I just, I can't, I just, something about it just irks me. Like, you stick a camera on my face and smile. So she would make me, I think us take pictures every Christmas. And, and I remember at one point in time, we got so busy when Christmas that she forgot. Now, I remembered. But I didn't say a thing. It was a silent night for me. Come on, somebody. And then we got to Christmas. She's like, I forgot to set out or take pictures of set out Christmas. I was like, oh. I felt like a, a White Sox fan. There's always next year. Thank God she forgot the next year. So if you haven't got a Christmas card from us in a few years, it isn't because we don't love you. 
It's because Pastor Olga forgot, and I don't. I refuse to remind her. Amen. <laughs> now I say all that because for those of you who still send Christmas cards or take pictures, what I'm just curious. What would you do if you if you found a that section in Walmart or Walgreens or uh, if there's still hallmarks around or not? Maybe I really am dating myself now. But you found a Christmas card. Give them that image there that had this on it. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Wait, wait what? Why, why, would I, why would I send a picture of a seven-headed dragon trying to eat the baby Jesus? Here's, here's the point I want to get at. The book of Revelation is more than just a series of end-time events. It's more than just this flurry of, of graphic images of what's going to happen at the end. Revelation is this. It is the revealing the Greek word is the, the apocalypsis. It's the revealing of Jesus. It is the revelation of Jesus. Not just the revelation that Jesus got. It is the revelation of who Jesus is. It is the revelation. That's what this book is. And so what we see first and foremost is we see this imagery. Uh, give, give me that image one more time, Tiana. We see here this imagery of, of the woman. Now, at first glance, you think, oh, this is Mary. And I understand why you would think that, but, but this is symbolic imagery, not of Mary, but of a nation. A nation that is carrying a promised Messiah within its womb. This is imagery of the nation of Israel, through whom the Messiah must come. And what we see on top, crowned on, on this nation, is 12 stars. 12 stars that represent governance, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples. It is the biblical number for governance, 12. And then ultimately what we see here is that this woman is about to give birth with the, the same imagery that Joseph saw in his dream of the sun and the moon bowing down to him and, and the 12 stars bowing to him. We have her clothed in the sun and the moon at her feet. And the dragon, they're ready to devour the promised Messiah. Now, what I'm going to do here just for a moment, and I think i got a little bit of time, is I'm, I'm going to get all apocalyptic on you, okay? You ready? For those of you who were at Impact Church in 2017, you remember a message I preached called Solar Eclipse of the Heart. Good title. Come on, somebody. I worked on that one. And what it was about, it was September 23rd, 2017, there was a, 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 we call it the total solar eclipse that crossed our nation. It crossed from Washington all the way across towards Florida. Cool thing is, from that time, it was another, in another seven years, there was going to be another total solar eclipse that actually is going to happen in April of 2024. I asked a bunch of people Wednesday night, should we just travel down to southern Illinois to have church down there around the time of the, of the total uh, solar eclipse that happens? Just, just sit in the darkness uh, should we do it? I'm all, I'm all for it if you want to go. I mean, just gotta, or just, just get on you know, Facebook and just watch me live if I'm down there. But anyway, so the point is just simply this. Anytime we see a solar eclipse, it is God's judgment against the nation. And this, happened, this path happened across, all the way across our nation in 2017. Seven years later, it's going to crisscross the opposite way to form an X right across the heart of the United States of America. You don't think that God isn't a righteous judge? 
And you don't think America and its politics aren't acting stupid and foolish and completely denying his righteousness and his word? Judgment is coming. And I don't say that to, to make you fearful because if you're living right, judgment is coming. And that means God's going to reward you for what you've done. That's the kind of judgment I'm looking forward to. Amen. That's a different message. Let me show you real quick. Tiana, let's give them that image of what happened in 2017. It's called the Revelation 12 sign. The Revelation 12 sign is this. During the Jewish Feast of Trumpets, right after Rosh Hashanah, remember we talked about this in September, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. The Feast of Trumpets is a time of repentance before we get to the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Okay? So on September or 23rd of 2017, what happened in the sky was what they call the Revelation 12 sign. For the first time in 6,000 years, 6,000 years, the constellation Virgo, also known as, I guess, the Virgin, had 12 stars on her head, the nine stars in the constellation Leo, and then Venus, Mars, and Mercury, making up 12 total, sat on her head. She was clothed in the sun, so the sun was directly behind her, literally as she was being clothed in it. And then in late, uh, late 2016, the king planet, or the king star known as Jupiter, actually was in her womb and hung out for nine months until he was birthed, if you will, in September of 2017. All of, and of course, the moon was sitting at her feet. If you don't think this stuff is true, just, just, just ask NASA. Okay? Ask any, any astronomer out there. These, these things happen. They already happened. Now, at the time, some of us thought, oh, snap, it's the start of the tribulation. Here we go. Okay? Clearly, that didn't happen. And this is why you are foolish to try to put a time stamp on when Christ is going to return. Don't do it. Jesus said, I don't even know. when the, the Father will tell me when. Okay? So let's just be clear about that. But either way, this, the moon, the sun, and the stars are given to us as signs is what the scriptures say. They're given to us as, as an eye-opener, an awakening moment. And what happened in 2017 is just trying to let us know that the Revelation 12 sign has already happened in the sky. It, it's already going on. Now, what I want you to see, let's go back to that other previous image there, Tiana. What I want you to see is that this red, the large red dragon, this is Satan himself, and he's, he's waiting to devour her offspring. This imagery literally is, is of Satan's continuous attempt to destroy the Messiah and destroy his work. His continuous attempt. I say that because, remember, John the Revelator was in the spirit, when he started getting these revelations, okay, the revelation of Christ. And so being in the spirit means he's now outside of time. So now he's looking at eternity. Now he's, now he's in the spirit realm, if you will. So, so we can't put a time stamp on when this happened. Did it happen when Lucifer was cast out of heaven? Did it happen at the moment Christ was born? Did it happen in 2017? Or is it happening even right now in a realm where time does not exist? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just simply saying we don't really know. All we know is that he was caught up in the spirit. He saw this revelation. And here's the truth of that revelation. The truth of the revelation is Satan has made every attempt in human history to destroy God's promised Messiah. 
That's why Pharaoh tries to kill every male offspring in the nation of Israel. That's why you get men like Haman who show up during the time of Esther and plot and plan to kill off the Jews. That's why King Herod decides, I, I need to kill off every male under the age of two. And that's why even to this day, the Jewish people are still being persecuted by the red dragon, Satan, across the globe. Because he's trying to destroy God's promise. But I need to remind you that God is a God who keeps his word. Because when, the, when, the, when that serpent tried to show up and he messed everything up in the garden, God made a promise to that old serpent, the devil, all the way back in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He said, he will crush your head, devil. You will strike his heel. But he will crush your head. And what I'm just trying to get you to see, ladies and gentlemen, is that Christmas really is an apocalyptic event. It's that moment when heaven and earth begin to collide. Author Philip Yancey wrote it this way one time. He said, from God's viewpoint and Satan's, Christmas signals far more than the birth of a baby. It was an invasion. The incarnation was an invasion. The incarnation means God has landed on this enemy-occupied world in human form. So ladies and gentlemen, yes, Christmas is a battle, but Christmas is also good tidings of great joy. Why? Because if you just keep reading what happens next in Revelations 12, verse 7 says, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels were fighting against Lucifer and his angels. But verse 9, the great dragon the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority, check it out, of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before God day and night. I love this verse, we quote it all the time. Time. And they overcame that dragon by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Would you just take a moment right now and just thank God? Just thank God that when he became Emmanuel, God with us, not just Elohim, the most high God, but God with us, Emmanuel, the moment he became with us was the moment Jesus showed us, I'm gonna triumph over everything that has come against you. I'm gonna triumph over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Jesus triumphed over the dragon for us. And can I give you just three quick things in this Advent season to prepare you for the second Advent? I can't conclude a series about in the end and only talking about the first Advent without properly giving you some tools in preparation for the second. First thing I want to tell you is this. We have to learn to focus on the unseen. We have to learn to focus on the... Thank you, Miss Autumn. The great red dragon, I believe, was present that night that Christ was born. But no eye could see him, not the visible eye. They could not make out what was happening. So John the Revelator catches this vision, and he reminds us there's a lot of things happening in the unseen realm behind the realities of what we can see. 
And ladies and gentlemen, Christmas is that time where we can get so wrapped up in the things we want to see. Come on, somebody. I want to see, I want to see presents under the tree, Pastor. I want to see decorations. I, I want to see the Christmas lights down at Phillips Park, and I don't want to wait three hours. Come on. I, 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 there are things I want to see. I want to see the parties. I, I, I want to see a healthy portion of the unhealthy food. There are things I, I want to see. But there's this whole realm of the unseen. What I'm trying to tell you is in these last days, you've got to become sober and vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, is roaming, roaring, seeking, since he can't devour the Messiah anymore. It's coming for you. And this great red dragon, he hates God. And because he hates God so much, he hates us. You know why he hates us? Because God loves us so much. So he's got this great hatred for us. And there's a spiritual warfare that is constantly raging around us. Can I tell you, while you are shopping at Target, there is still warfare happening around you. I know, Pastor, because they tried to take that item that I had in my cart. Hello, somebody. I'm not talking about that kind of warfare. I'm talking about spiritual warfare happening around you while, while you're sitting around the, the, the mistletoe and smooching. Warfare is happening around you. Hello, that's why you better only be smooching with your spouse. Come on, somebody. Hello. Thank you, Jesus. Because spiritual warfare is happening. Because spiritual warfare is happening in those moments when you are out partying in the Christmas season and when you're having a good time and, and when, you, when you finally get everything you wanted on your Christmas list. Warfare in the spirit is still happening. And what I just want to tell you is in these last days, you can be so tempted to be focused on the holidays. But can I encourage you, do not neglect focusing on the Holy One. Fix your eyes on the one that is unseen, Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Paul said like this in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, so we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. How do I do that? By faith, through worship, through prayer, through coming to church, through holding on to God's promises. I can fix my focus on the things that are unseen. And then ultimately, because what is seen is temporary. Ooh, thank God for that. What is seen is temporary. I know you really want that new car and that new house and the new Jordans, but it is temporary. Not mine, Pastor. You should see how clean my J's are. But guess what? Heaven and earth and your J's are going to pass away. So start focusing on what is unseen, the eternal. That means the love of God. That means the word of God. That means the promise of God. That means the anointing and calling on your life. Let's start focusing on what matters. Let's even focus on reaching this generation. Because the second thing I want to tell you in preparation of the second advent is this. Don't allow your Christmas celebration to distract you from the Great Commission. So busy celebrating, you forget about the commission. That commission to preach the gospel everywhere that we go. When I look back at that, that vision that John had, initially that vision shows us a baby being born, right? There's a, there's a baby about to be born. And... And I, I, can I say this? If Christmas is only about celebrating a baby, then it doesn't really require much from us, right? If, it's just, if Christmas is all about just a baby being born, then it doesn't require anything of me. I mean, th think about it like this. I, I love my nieces. My, my nieces, Avery and Selah. I love those girls. They're awesome. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. I, 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 the best part is I, is I get to admire them 
and I get to hold them, and I get to pour the love on them, and, and, and I get to get them gifts, and then I get to give them back to their parents. Because a baby doesn't require much of me. If he's just a baby, I can come on Sunday, lift my hands for 30 seconds and admire him for, for the worship service and, and say amen during the word. But if he's just a baby, I can go out in the next six days, live however I choose to live because it is inconsequential to my life if he's just a baby. But, but can, can, I, can I tell you that Jesus is so much more? This isn't Teledega Nights where I'm praying to, to little baby Jesus. Okay. This is how that works. What, what I'm trying to get you to see is that this baby became the king. This baby became the man who will rule with a rod of iron. Now, I don't mean to scare you, but biblically speaking, the rod of iron is God's instrument of judgment by which he will crush his enemies. He's, he's got to be more than a baby. This is why Malachi prophesied in Malachi 3, 2. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire. Ladies and gentlemen, as long as you keep Jesus stuck in a crib, in a manger, he will not disturb you. But once you begin to understand that his arrival 2,000 years ago means either salvation or condemnation for all mankind, it will wake you up and it will wake up your witness and you will decide in these last days I've got to preach the gospel everywhere I go because there is a way of escape from judgment and it's not just Jesus the ruler he is still Jesus the Savior that's why Paul said in Galatians 4 verse 4 he said when the time fully came God sent his son born of a woman born under the law what to judge us no that he might redeem those under the law that you and I might be brought or really brought to divine adoption as sons can you just take a moment and throw up your hands and say thank you Lord I'm not an orphan thank you Lord I'm not forgotten thank you Lord I'm not abandoned no matter how my family treated me no matter how my neighbors treat me no matter how I feel about myself. I've been adopted. I've been brought in. Adoption means you were wanted. You were chosen. You were picked. I've been adopted into the family of the Most High God. What I'm trying to tell you is at this time of year, don't get so caught up in buying the presents and, and the hustle and, and, and the pressure and the stress of the season that you miss every opportunity while you're standing in that long line to turn around and share your faith with somebody who needs the greatest gift, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? I said, can I get an amen? From somebody who realizes our time is short and judgment is coming. I need to be about the great commission, my father's business. And lastly, and I'm done, in this Advent season, in preparation for the second Advent of Christ, I want you to know that Christmas is Satan's reminder of who wins in the end. If you hate Christmas, you're just like the devil, yo. He hates this time of year because it's a constant reminder. He showed up once and kicked my butt. He was in human flesh and he kicked my butt. He's gonna show up again, full of glory and power with the host of heaven joining him. Ooh, he knows what's coming. Christmas is the reminder of who wins in the end. 
when I think of this Christmas story, I realize some of you will say, well, how does this really help my life, Pastor, when it's filled with problems and pressures and people? My life is filled with all kinds of sins and struggles. And I want you to see that what John was showing us there in Revelation 12 is that we are caught up in a cosmic battle. But if you'll just keep reading until the end. Don't stop at Revelation 12. Read 10 more chapters into 22. Read what happens, just read what happens just eight chapters later in Revelations 20. Because Satan is active and his time is short. But look what happens in Revelation 20. That man with that iron rod, look what he does to him. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast, which is the Antichrist, and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever. I can't say it better than Billy Graham. So here's how Billy Graham was quoted once as saying. He said, I've read the end of the book, and in the end, we win. Amen. I'm not going to sing Silent Night to you, but if I, if I sang it this way, would you be offended? Silent night, violent night. With what I just read in Revelations 12, the war that is happening, has happened, will happen, is happening in the spirit. Because there have been wars that have been waged all over this planet for far less. Wars that have been fought over money. Wars that have been fought over property. Wars that have been fought over honor. Wars that have been fought for power. But this war, this, the greatest of all cosmic conflicts, you know what it's over? Us. This war is about us. And I see that red dragon. And he's got all these, these names that he flaunts. He's the, the serpent. He's the liar. He's the deceiver. He's the God of this world. He's the, he's the, he's the prince of the power of the, of the air. He's the devil. But I think the most fitting name for that red dragon is the name called Satan because it means accuser. Satan simply means accuser. And John says he accuses us before God day and night. Day and night. So he's got this weapon. The accuser has a weapon called accusation. And with accusation, he tries to enslave us in our sin and in our guilt and in our shame and in our depravity and in lies and deception. He wields this weapon against us. Why? Because his greatest fear is that you might hear of his enemy, the one who came to set you free. So he'll keep throwing his accusations at you. But in this little town of Bethlehem, he swoops in, the dragon swoops in, and he tries to swallow up the one who's going to free us from accusation. And in the visible realm, we see the virgin. We see a, a star appearing in the sky. We, we see shepherds that come to celebrate. But in the invisible realm, heaven and hell are battling for our eternal destination. But I just want to remind you, though that battle was happening, in the end... The Messiah will stand upon the neck of that red dragon. The one who's trying to devour him will now be under his feet. 
And that means every accusation that he's brought against you will be crushed by the foot of the Most High. I want to prophesy right now. Your King Jesus is about to step on the throat of every accusation that has come against your life, come against your calling, come against your anointing. Everything people have said about you, everything you believed that wasn't true, the foot of the Most High is about to step on his throat and silence the lies of the enemy. Romans 16, 20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Can you put your hands together and praise this God? Somebody help me testify. In these last days, all I want for Christmas is more of his glory, more of his presence, more of his power. I want more. This is what I want for Christmas. I want the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Somebody put your hands together and let the accuser know. For Christmas, all I want is to see Christ glorified. And can I tell you, all the dragon gets for Christmas is a crushed head and a shattered mouth because the God of peace will curse Satan on your feet. Stand your feet with me. I read this little poem the other day. It was simple, but I love how it ended. At the beginning, he said, in my nativity, there's a dragon, but here's how it finishes. He said, and at this nativity arose another player, the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. He is the dragon slayer. <laughs> First John 3, 8 says, those who keep sinning, those who continue to sin, you're just like the devil. You belong to him. So for this reason was the son of God made manifest. This is why Jesus showed up, to destroy, to slay that dragon. He came to destroy the works of the devil. In the spirit right now, I don't mean in the visible, but in the spirit right now, I'm going to invite you just to lift your hands with me right now. To the heavens, and in the spirit without looking around, I'm going to ask you to tap into your own spirit for just a moment. And let's speak against every demonic thing that has come against our very lives, our anointing, our calling, our passion. Can I get some people to prophesy against all the distractions of the enemy for this generation? They're, they're wrapped up in temporal things. They gravitate to their phones immediately without any thought of praying or talking to God or seeking God. Their passions are so confused and misplaced. Somebody me prophesy against the spirit that has come against this generation. In this atmosphere, would you help me prophesy to the demonic powers that have tried to keep you oppressed, the demonic work that has kept you depressed and weighed down and feeling unworthy and feeling invisible. I dare somebody to speak to the invisible that's been messing with you in the invisible and tell it, tell it, I'm not invisible to God. I command the spirit 
that has been bothering me, tormenting me, making me feel like I'm unworthy, to get out of my life in Jesus' name. Time to go. Time to go. Will somebody help me prophesy right now in this moment in the spirit against every generational curse that is still trying to attack our legacy? Help me prophesy against these things right now in the spirit. Somebody help me prophesy against those diseases and and those flu and those viruses that are, are literally trying to attack us right now even as we speak. We got brothers and sisters that are, are suffering. Help me prophesy against these things in the name of Jesus. We speak against the power of the flu. We speak against the power of COVID. We speak against the power of cancer. We speak against the power of hereditary diseases. We speak against the power of every pain and infirmity that is happening in the invisible realm. We command it to hear the name of Jesus and to be healed right now. Would you help me just fight for a moment longer in the spirit? In these last days, with so many Christians are going to fall off. It's prophesied. The, the, literally, the, the cares of this world are going to choke out any faith they've got left. Would somebody help me prophesy that at least in this room, men and women will remain good soil. Their hearts will remain soft and sensitive so when the seed of the word goes forward, it can have a place to take root and to grow and to germinate and to prosper in their lives. Would you just help me for a moment longer? Let's prophesy to this generation that we will be those whose hearts are pure, that we might see God, that we will hunger and thirst after righteousness and be filled, that we will be merciful and thus obtain mercy, that we will be called children of the Most High God. We will bless those who curse us. We will pray for those who use us. We will love those who hate us. We will be the salt of the earth. The city set on a hill. Help me prophesy to these last days because Satan's time is short and he's doubling his efforts. But I came to let the devil know it doesn't matter how hard you try. In the end, you lose. I win. Thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.